0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge of Wharton.
1: Wharton professor Peter Capelli is the author of the new book, The Future of the Office, Work from Home, Remote Work, and the Hard Choices We All Face. Capelli, who has for decades studied the forces shaping and changing the workplace, says the coming choices we all must make about the future of work could be among our most important. I'm Brett Legerato, senior editor at Wharton School Press. I sat down with Capelli to talk about the future of the office. We talked about the working experience during the throes of the COVID-19 pandemic, the complication with so-called hybrid models, and how employees and employers can make the best decisions for their futures. Congratulations on the publication of your book, The Future of the Office. Um, This is obviously a, a very hot topic. Uh, Much of the white-collar world is facing a reckoning on on what to do about this thing that we've called and and we call the office. So to start, I was hoping you could share your overall message to stakeholders about what you believe is at stake for the future of the office. I don't
0: think it's going to surprise uh, many people to get the sense of how big an issue this is about whether we go back to the office or not. You think about the value of commercial real estate, what happens if we don't need offices and all the supporting services and the little businesses and restaurants that support offices and commuting. All those sorts of things matter. Um, And, you know, in addition to whether this might be better for employees, one of the things we know just about that is that not everybody agrees that they want to uh, work from home there is the issue about whether it's actually going to work for the employers, and that's not completely clear. So I think part of the message of the book is that we really don't know how well things worked during the pandemic's work from home phase. You know, a lot of organizations said that things were just fine, a lot of employees said they got their own work done, but closer examination is suggesting that maybe it wasn't quite so great and things didn't work quite as well. And more to the point, there were a lot of things that were unique about the period of the pandemic, which are not going to carry over afterwards. You know, for example, the fact that most people felt a special effort to pull together and try to get things done. We were kind of keeping businesses together and keeping our jobs together. Is that going to continue afterwards? And the other issue is what happens next post-pandemic is unlikely to look much like what happened during the pandemic, right? And we know a fair bit about that situation because we've studied it. We studied telework for quite a while. That is, regular businesses operating more or less as they did with some people working at home and some people working in the office. And the results there are not as nice as you might expect. People working remotely just don't do as well and their careers don't do as well either. So understanding what we're getting ourselves into matters a lot. There are so many options in terms of working from home, if you do it and how much you do and how it's carried out, it's important to get the ones that we pick right and make sure we understand that decision. And it's important to prepare for it because the way we choose has lots of implications for how businesses need to be managed and how the careers of people unfold.
1: You you talked about this, but you've been researching the workplace for for decades, and uh, in the book, one of the points you highlight is how this change is so much different than than others that we've been talking about um, AI automation. For um, for example, can you you know sort of explain that?
0: Anybody who's interested in the workplace knows that there's been a flavor of the month feel to a lot of the press uh, over the last couple of decades. And a lot of the things that were presented as future, the new normal, just, you know, they never happened. Like the coming later labor shortage in the early 2000s, which never happened. Uh, The big issues around millennials, and it turns out that there's no evidence any of that's even true. And you know, we're going to have driverless trucks. Three years ago, we were preparing for the elimination of all trucking jobs. You know, things that may at some point happen, but in the meantime, you know, there are no big deals. The reason this one is such a big deal is it's going to happen soon, right? I mean, this pandemic is going to lift at some point. It's dragging on longer, of course, than we all thought. But at some point, we have the opportunity to go back to work, and employers have to choose. You know, you can't just say, we will decide forever, uh, at some point they reopen and you have to either be in the office or let people stay home or find something different. So this one is right on top of us, and it's really going to matter in ways that are completely obvious. So uh, that's why it's a big deal. And I think in this case, we haven't paid enough attention to it spent way more time on all these previous topics. And in this one staring us right in the face, we haven't thought about what it means very carefully and how to choose what to do.
1: Thanks, Peter. So, so yeah, you, you mentioned um, you know the employees who have really thrived working remotely and, and working from home. Uh, what's your best advice for, for those employees who dread a return to an in-person workplace?
0: You know, I think the variation in people's experience in working from home is first quite remarkable, right? There's some people who really liked it. Um, There's some people who didn't. And a lot of that depends on your life circumstances. And even those who were really grateful to be able to do it weren't necessarily having fun. So there's evidence that stress levels are up and hours of work were up for people working from home. Um, And uh, I think... Uh, returning to the workplace uh, means something different than it did when we were thinking about this during the pandemic. So the people who are grateful, understandably, most of us are, should be, uh, for the opportunity to keep working from home are thinking about the alternative, which was, you know, no job, or trying to work in the office without childcare or with sick parents we have to take care of and all those kinds of things. So to some extent, I don't think we're quite making the right comparison. Uh, And what we're thinking about now is something which happened, you know, about two years or so before when we think about what normal used to be. And for most people, it wasn't so bad, right? And it wasn't like imagining working from home, uh, working in the office rather during the pandemic, right? So I think going back to the office will probably not be, so bad. Uh, it's to some extent, I hate to say this, but to some extent is a little like when we were kids going back to school, which we all dreaded. And as soon as you started to do it, you get back into the rhythm and it's not such a terrible thing. But I don't think it'll be as bad as most everybody who's worried about it seems to be thinking.
1: So then the other side of the coin is is the employers for whom you say, you know, it isn't really as simple as, as just calling everyone back to the office. Um, what do you believe that employers have to do to make and their employees feel engaged about future plans and, um, you know, in the near term returning to the office and in the um, the longer term as well. I think one of the problems that employers have
0: if they want to bring people back to the office and especially if they want to go back to some alternative, uh, uh, let me start over on that. Uh, I think the problem that employers have if they want to go back to the way they were operating before, which means bring everybody back to the office is that the discussions in the broader community and in the press have given people the impression that uh, you don't have to do that um, and that you can keep working from home. And so one of the problems employers have is they have to fight this expectation that's been created. And uh, some of that is just about communication and explaining to Uh, our employees, why it is important for them to come back to work, why it is a business necessity and not something quirky that the boss just happens to want to do. And of course, if you can't come up with that story, (laughs) then you better rethink what your policies are, right? But that's the first thing, right? It is a bit of a change to bring people back, and this is a bit like managing organization change. First step is, why do we have to do it, right? Uh, And I think the second step is to explain to people what it's going to mean, particularly with respect to safety. You know, my guess is there will still be some health concerns when a lot of people are coming back. So that's important to do. Uh, And I think if we're offering something else, we need to think about how to present that. If we're going to have some different alternatives for working, we have to think about how to explain that in some detail. But I would say the smart thing to do is also to tell employees that this is an experiment, that we're gonna see how this works. It's not the same as it was during the pandemic when everybody was at home and the economy was more or less stumbling along. This is a pretty different period, a different experience. And so we wanna try it out, see what works and then adjust. I don't think you want to suggest to people that whatever you're putting in place is gonna be there forever, because if you have to change it, and walk anything back, boy. That's a tough thing for employees to swallow.
1: So we've talked about remote work and um, you know going back to the office. Um, one of the things we haven't really talked about, except in your first answer, is um, is high, the hybrid models that have been sort of all the rage of the um, media coverage over the past uh, you know few months, maybe to a year or so. Um, but in, in your book, you know, pretty two pretty distinct types of hybrid work that are being discussed now among companies. Um, And can you, I was wondering if you could explain each of them and and which one you think has the most potential.
0: We've all heard a lot about hybrid work, and it seems like most employers are saying that that's what they want to do. The problem is uh, saying you're going to have hybrid just means that it's not going to be everybody in the office and it's not going to be everybody at home. So (laughs) it's a world of difference between those two extremes. There's one approach to hybrid, which is quite clear, and that is that we will let some employees, not all of them, uh, work home permanently. That you can be out of the office on a kind of permanent basis. Um, And there's another which says you can work from home occasionally. Uh, And those two different choices are fundamentally different. If you are somebody who says, I want to work remotely on a permanent basis, you may think that's great. I get to live where I want, all that's true. Uh, Your career is gonna suffer. You should just accept that uh, because uh, unless organization life changes fundamentally, the people who are gonna be in the office have advantages over you. It's easy to forget about the people who are working remotely. And the first thing that will happen is you're gonna lose your office. And that's why, employers want you to work permanently. If they do, is they can save on real estate space, right? The second type of work from home hybrid model is where you keep your office, you work, you know, uh, more or less in the office, but we allow you some flexibility as to when you might be able to work from home. That is a trickier one for the employers. And for employees, everybody likes the idea of having choice. I should be able to work from home when I want and come in when i want the reason it's tricky for employers is first it's not clear how it benefits them it's not saving on any real estate to be able to do that unless we try to move toward a hoteling model where you only kind of share an office when you come in which is a tricky kind of arrangement and the complication is scheduling so everybody gets to pick the day that they want to work uh, from home, well, that's tricky to have meetings because some people won't be here. And then we end up with this kind of half and half, some people calling in, some people in person. It's gonna be kind of clunky to do. If you're trying to do real team-based stuff, like traditional agile stuff, which is project-based things face-to-face, the problem is if everybody's picking their own day, you can't do that very well, right? Uh, And similarly, it's a little tricky if you say, "Okay, you can work from home on these days, Tuesdays and Thursdays or something, right? Um, That's quirky uh, because if you do that, um, it doesn't necessarily benefit employees. They want to work from home on the days that suit them. They don't want to work from home on the others. Uh, So it ends up being kind of quirky for employees, doesn't help them so much. Uh, and so these are some of the trade-offs we have to manage.
1: Peter, you mentioned a lot of companies in the in the book, um, and and a common theme is that a lot of them don't know what they're doing yet. But um, are there any companies you see as, as leaders in the ways that workplaces are changing or or might not change post-pandemic?
0: There's a pretty clear divide, I think. If you look at the you know investment banks in New York and the big banks, they've been very clear that they want everybody back in the office, this is the way business is going to work. Uh, the tech world has been sort of the opposite in making lots of uh, changes or promising employees a lot of ability to be flexible and work remotely. But there are outliers, you know, in the tech world, Amazon, for office work anyways, basically a tech company, right, and they've said, no, nope, we're all coming back, you know. Um, so. You know it's a little uh divided i think a lot of companies are talking about some flexibility but they're not being very specific i think what's going on with employers right now which is understandable is they don't want to be out of sync with the market right they don't want to be the one announcing you can't work from home uh, and then all their competitors say you can and then they're afraid everybody will bolt and go work for their competitors, which I don't think is true, but that's what they're worried about. Um, So I think virtually everybody is in this big middle saying we're gonna do something, but they're not saying what they're gonna do yet. And that's, you know, of some concern to the employees who would like to know.
1: What industries do you think have been most affected by changes in the workplace during the pandemic?
0: I'd say if you look at the industries that have had the biggest change, it's healthcare, right? I mean, the ability to, try to deliver medicine to patients virtually uh, we made frankly some progress on that you know a lot of telemedicine which has been used in other countries seems to have worked pretty well um, and it's safer you know people who are sick don't have to come in um, you know the complication of trying to manage uh, procedures of course is quite a different thing though I'd say you know healthcare is the one that's had maybe the most dramatic change that we all uh, kind of face. But, you know, all the professional services have uh, adapted in various ways. Look at the world of law, for example, where uh, things have been done sort of collaboratively in the big law firms. The smaller ones, the sort of independent work didn't matter that much if you were virtual or remote. But in the bigger firms, the bigger, more complicated cases, you know, they have found some ways to make things work. So I'd say those have had the biggest changes otherwise the really complicated work has kind of shut down like a lot of manufacturing for a while and um you know service work retail work and stuff has sort of gone ahead unchanged
1: was there any data or research either that you were kind of aware of uh, beforehand and put in the book or you found while uh, researching for the book that you found particularly surprising
0: i think what we had seen in the press from Uh, the experiences of employers and employees had just been universally positive. And some of this may have been editorial selection. It's much more of a man bites dog story, at least at the beginning, to, to discover that you could just shut offices down and everything was kind of going fine. And some of that, too, is on the employer side. You know, no public company CEO wants to tell the world that we're really struggling, right? So um, there was a lot of selection going on. So what we've seen since more recently is some evidence in different kinds of workplaces where we can kind of quantify stuff. And what you find is that things didn't go as nicely as you would think. Hours of work were actually higher for people. There's some evidence that traditional boundaries like, you know, post-dinner, um, particularly for people with families, that that is broken through, uh, that there was a lot more work after the dinner hour being done by people. So stress levels appear to be higher as well. And, you know, just in general, a sense that this was not quite as wonderful as we thought. Some of this is understandable, right? At the very beginning of this, what's your comparison? Your comparison is the place we shut down. Otherwise, if we can't work from home and we don't have a job. And what? this is going remarkably well. And after a year and a half of being at it, you know, your comparison changes. It's no longer, you know, having no job. Now it's, you know, you've been into this a year and it's not much fun. So um, I think that's what we started to see in the data more recently. It's not particularly surprising, but it is different, at least than what the popular perception had been.
1: You know, obviously, a lot of lessons, takeaways, things to consider. But I guess if there's there's one thing, one lesson you really wanted people to take away, uh, readers to take away, what would what would it be?
0: I think the biggest single issue is probably that choices create problems, and that uh, the opportunity to work from home sounds like a great thing. Why not give everybody opportunities? Um, But making those choices matters a lot. If you raise your hand and say, for example, I would like to work from home permanently, um, that has big consequences for you and also for the organization. And some of the consequences for the organization have to do with supervisors. So a big chunk of us have to supervise somebody. And supervising people remotely is, is a different experience. It's a different kind of work to do. A hybrid model where you have some people in the office and some people working remotely, for supervisors trying to manage that is really tricky, right? So options and choices sound like a great thing, but they also cause a lot of problems. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit
1: knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.